Good to see you guys. Good to be here today with you all. Um, hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. We are still in Thanksgiving week, right? And we're uh, continuing to give thanks for all that he's done. Um, just the very fact that we have breath in our lungs um, is an amazing thing. And so we give thanks and we praise God for all that he is. So let's jump right in. Let's uh, pray and we will get into what God has for us this morning. God, we thank you because you are God. We thank you, Lord, that you are someone that we can come to in the time of need. And we can come to you when there's plenty and we can come to you when it's barren. We thank you, Lord, that you are God all the time. And we just want to give you praise today. We want to remember who you are. We want to remember who you are in our lives, in our communities, in our church, in our families. You sit on the throne up high. When we look to you, God, we don't look down. Although we bow our heads, our spirits are looking up. You're above all else. We're so thankful for you. We love you. We adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give God some praise. Well, as you've already heard, we are on our first day uh, of Advent, first week of Advent, and we're going to be talking about hope today. As you look at the Advent candle, just remember the light that has come into the world. We're going to be reading out of Isaiah. If you can meet me there in Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to be reading verses 2 through 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Follow along with me if you have your Bible. If you don't, you will see it on the screen. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 
In our passage today in Isaiah, Isaiah sees a future stamped by hope. Hope, even though the people of God were rebellious. They were rebellious. Isaiah makes it known to them, listen, that you will experience pain and suffering from your actions, but joy and salvation and provision is on its way. Isaiah says this provision is coming by way of a child. And during this Advent season, we look back. If you ever had an opportunity just to sit and slow down and look back, to see the glory that arrived in the form of a baby that was brought light into this world. Now that baby grew into a full-grown man who was God in the flesh, fully man and fully divine at the same time. He has two natures. He died on the cross for your sin and for my sin, and then he rose again so that we, you and I, could have eternal life. So we look back. And during this season of Advent, we also look forward. Because there's, there's not always just looking back. Many times we need to look forward to the day that he will come again and make all things new. This is the time of waiting. Now, I know that word, waiting, is taboo, right? No one likes to wait. If you ever ordered food on an app before and you watch the little car driving and it says that he's in your neighborhood, but you know from taking that route that it's never taken that long to get from that point to that point, and you're sitting there watching it, well, let me, let me refresh, let me refresh. Maybe, maybe there's something wrong here. He should be here, or he, he should be here by now. It's that time of waiting. It's that time of anticipation. It's that preparation for Christ, our Lord and and our Savior, to come. So the story and season of Advent always begins in the darkness. We're reminded that Jesus was sent into the world to bring light into this dark places, into your dark place. In fact, this was written uh, several hundred years ago uh, before God sent the light in the form of his son into the dark world to bring us what what our youth has shared with us this morning, hope. And thank God for them. We've, uh, God is good that we have partnered with our youth, and uh, you will see them over the next several weeks that all of the youth will be doing our candle lighting pieces of the service. So if someone is here today and you're, you're feeling hopeless, things are dark in one or more areas of your life. And I've rolled out of bed this morning full of turkey and ham, sweet potatoes, jams, mac and cheese, and greens to tell you that God works in the dark. God works in the dark. That's the good news of Advent. In fact, the darker things are in your life and in this world, the closer God's coming is. If, if, if we look back to the Apostle Paul, if you look at Job, if you look at perhaps uh, Jeremiah, um, Elijah, Jonah, Many others will see that God was working in the dark. And we could be confident that he will work in your life as well when things seem hopeless. Uh, Time is out for the people of God to be embarrassed or act like they are somehow less spiritual because they lose hope. We all have seasons of our lives where this is the case. If I was to pass the microphone around right now, we would probably be here until midnight listening 
to how God worked in your dark place. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But I want you to see in the Bible that the writers and many of the songwriters are repeatedly writing about their waiting for a Messiah, most often using the Hebrew word for hope, which is yakal or kava. Now, I say both because there is, there's two meanings of hope in this passage. Yakal in those verses means waiting. Kava, which is, means waiting with anticipation until, listen to this, the tension is released. Now, if you know me, I don't just share Greek and Hebrew words because I can read it. It doesn't help you at all. I share them to bring greater meaning to the text as I preach it. So what I want you to see here is that all of our lives require hope. And since Advent is a, a waiting time for, of arrival of Jesus Christ, we are to wait. And sometimes we have to wait until that tension is released. We have to wait until God moves us closer to the light. As, as we spend more time in the word and we spend more time with one another, we, we get closer and closer to the light, which is Jesus. And we'll talk more about what that may look like in your life, in my life, in a few minutes. So that is hope, to trust in, to, to, to wait for, for something that will happen in the future. Now, keep in mind, that is the future. You're, you're looking forward to something. See, hope is not based on circumstances. It's not based on circumstances. If it was based on circumstances, could you imagine we would all be in a whole lot of trouble? I know you're saying, well, well, don't we have to have hope that our circumstances get better? Sure. But I think that's more like optimism. Right? Hope is not optimism. Optimism looks at positive circumstances and despite the problems in your life. Hope in God takes us beyond all circumstances. It takes us beyond what you're experiencing right now. It takes us beyond all of that. Now, I'm not one of those um, preachers who will quote you to death about what other people said, um, except for the Bible. But every so often, I find something that I think really drives uh, the point home. And one of my favorite theologians that I studied is N.T. Wright. Some of you may have heard of him. He says this about optimism. Read it with me. He says, hope and optimism are not the same thing. The optimist looks at the world and feels good about the way it's going. Things are looking up. Everything's going to be all right. But hope, at least as it's conceived within the Jewish and then the Christian world, was quite different. Hope could be, and often was, a dogged and deliberate choice when the world seemed dark. Remember that word, choice. It depended not on a feeling about the way things were or the way things were moving, but on faith, faith in the one God. So the first thing I want us to remember this morning is that hope is not hope without faith. Right? If you think about um, passages, if you think about um, maybe like 1 Peter uh, 1 and 8. 1 Peter 1 and 8 says, though we have not seen him, we what? We love him. And even though we do not see him now, we are filled with him in an inexpressible and a glorious joy that we are receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. See that? See that? That's not optimism. That's faith. And that's, that's uh, hope in a person, 
in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, our feelings are, are important. They're so important. Expressing emotions is important. But sometimes, if you're not careful, emotions can be so strong that they can get you stuck. And you have to say, despite how I feel right now, I'm going to make a choice to put my hope in God. Um, I love Psalm 62. Uh, Psalms, Psalm 62 says, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. My soul finds rest in God. Anybody need rest this morning? I'm not just talking about physical rest. You just need rest in your spirit, in your mind. When we hope in God, our life, in the dark places we find ourselves, we have to trust him. I and mean, trusting him is having faith in him. The circumstances may, may be really grim. Um, things don't look good. The reports are in, and it's all bad, as it were. But uh, hope sees light in the darkness, right, because of what God has promised. It's all about what he has promised. We can stand on the promises of his word. That's how we get hope. The hope prophesied of in Isaiah has little to do with optimism, much more to do with the light of God that he sent into the world. Now, don't get me wrong. We all prefer to be around optimists instead of pessimists for sure, right? We not only get hope from God, but we give hope to others. Remember in my prayer, I talked about giving and receiving. So if you're one of those who walk around and you're like, look at that, mm, look at her, Look at him, just complaining about the world. Ever been around somebody like that? They can't say a positive thing to save their life. And you're sitting here thinking, you have a light. And listen, I'm not saying we don't need to vent. Right? I, I'm, I love to vent if I need to. I heard a story of a, um, uh, a nobleman and um, some time ago. It, it's a nobleman, and he was building a church in, in uh, Europe. Um, and he had built a church, and they said that this church was just amazing. It had all the different things that uh, you would want. And they all came in, and everybody was so excited. They're like, look at this thing that, um, that you know, he has built. And uh, they walked in, and they noticed that there were no lamps. And he's, they're looking around, they're saying, there's, there's, no, there's no lamps here. But the pastor pointed out to them, the nobleman pastor, uh, pointed out to them, that, listen, there's, there were lamp holders. So they're looking and they're saying, well, we see lamp holders, we don't see lamps. And he said, just one second, he turned around, he pulled over a cart, and he had lamps for all of them. And he brought those lamps to them, and he started to give the lamps out to everybody. And he said, each time you are here, the place where you sit would be lighted. So I feel led to tell you this morning that every time you come into someone else's presence, the place where they sit, where you sit, where you stand, will be lighted. So we're lights to one another which means that, yes, we need to vent, and yes, we need to do other, we need to do things. We have to express our emotions. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about packing your emotions and pushing things down. I'm not saying that at all. 
But each time you are here, the place where you sit will be lighted. So see, it was up to them to bring the light and share it. Uh, It's healthy to vent, but let's remember that we bring the light of Jesus to one another. Right? And if death and life are in the power of the tongue, like the word tells us it is, your, your scripture says it is, then we have the ability to control that, according to the Bible. We're not perfect. It's going to happen. Probably happened this morning. Right? I'm preaching it now, but it, end of this week, I might be tempted to be in that space. Now, let me, like I said, I'm not, let me be clear. I'm not talking about being fake. I'm not, I'm not talking about glossing over your pain and escaping reality never to return again. You're, 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 we ought to feel the fullness of our experiences, our very issues when, it comes to, when, when there comes a time when we need to shift, right? So we ought to feel that. But there comes a time where we need to shift our attention to Jesus Christ. Hope is powerful, church. It can change your lives. It, it, can, it alters how you grieve. It alters how you handle loss. It changes. It's powerful. Those struggles that are new and those struggles that have been a part of our life for a long time, it alters how we handle those. So in verses 1 and 2, if we're looking at our our passage, it says that a light has dawned for those in the land of the darkness, right? I love that verse. Why? Because obviously the the light they're talking about is Jesus. But it's also because if you know anything about the Old Testament, light symbolizes God's presence. It symbolizes his presence. To say that a great light has shined is to say that God has appeared, that God is acting on your behalf. He's acting on your behalf this morning. Whatever it is, put that into your mind. Whatever it is that you're feeling is is a dark place. Maybe you're coming out of that dark place. Maybe you're in there right now. Or maybe you sense yourself and you're struggling trying not to go over that line. God is acting to do something for his people in Israel, in our passage. And God is acting to do something for his people in Palo Alto at Abundant Life. The sun is worshipped in this church. His spirit is in the people and the church, in this church. The Father is with us in this church. His light is shining on us today, and the light is the light of hope that each of us can experience, listen to this, only in him. Only in him. Let's be lights to one another. Let's encourage one another. I've told you the story before, so I won't tell you the whole story, but... um, Many times in, in, um, early on in, in ministry, uh, I would be serving, doing multiple tasks. Some, some of you know how, what that's like. And uh, I would just be back there just, just serving and preparing in the ministry that I was working for, or working in, rather. And um, there was maybe be one other guy uh, with me during that time. And every once in a while, this guy named Fred would show up. And uh, Fred would come in, and I never, he would come in while I was either preparing or towards the end. I never, every once in a while, I would see him in the actual time uh, of our getting together. But he would come in, and he would tell me, brother, 
you know, praise God for what, what you're doing, you know, back here, right? Working in the background. And he would come again and he would say to me, that God sees what you're doing in secret. I'm fairly new to the Lord, maybe f- four or five years in, I'm like, I'm not doing anything in secret, right? I'm not, I'm not understanding, to, you know, but, but, I, but I realized years later, and I realized even in those moments sometimes that what he was trying to say was, is it was just bringing a light to encourage, to say a, to, to say a positive word to someone, right? And so when I see that brothers um, coming and walking around here um, from time to time, I'm reminded of that. He brought hope. He brought hope when there, when there was a time when there wasn't as, as many of us that as we see today serving and, and helping and, and, um, and being together. So I, just, I want us to remember that. I know someone here today or in our online community is grappling and you're sinking in hopelessness. And you have, maybe you've put your hope in wealth. You know, sometimes we, we read in the Bible about wealth and, and the rich and we, and we think like rich, rich, like, you know. Um, yeah, I'm not really happy with that. I'll, I'll say Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> um, right, we, we think rich in terms of you know, someone who's, just filthy. It's not always talking about that. So maybe you've put your hope in wealth. You've put your hope in money. You've put your hope in equity. You've put your hope in your pension, in your 401k, in your 403b, whatever you have, savings account, if your mattress, if you're still doing that, right? <laughs> whatever you have, and it's not building the way that you want it to, right? You want to retire soon. You're tired of working. You're thinking, if I can just put one, maybe one more year on this job, I'll be able to stop working and enjoy my latter years. And God is saying, no, no, no. Yes, I gave you the job, but I'm the source. I'm the source. I can open up doors for you to retire by the end of the year if I wanted to. Looking for your first job. Let me tell you, it's not your resume and it's not where you went to school that you should put your hope in. Now, those things are needed. That's going to help you to, to get into the door for sure. But it's your hope in God. Yeah. Yeah. Don't take my word for it. Think about our, our giving liturgy, right? If we think about our giving liturgy, is it what? In 1 Timothy. In the beginning of our giving liturgy, it says, as for the rich in this what? In this present age. Right. Did you ever wonder why he writes in this present age? If you study these verses, it will be because you have wealth in this present age. You have these things. You think you're blessed in this age with the things, but that doesn't translate or automatically convert to the world to come. Those that are living the good life now don't have some type of favor with God, nor are they well off because God is happy with them. Right? Paul was warning that their trust, their hope should be in God. Think about Deuteronomy chapter 8. You can look at that later. I didn't have time to give this one to the media team, but it, but it says this. It says, it says, less when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and when your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt 
from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there is no water, who brought you water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good in the end. What that's basically saying is sometimes we get what we're asking for or we get what we want and immediately we forget about who gave it to us. So in the nutshell, put your hope in God, not in things. Some of you feel hopeless because you're hopeless. Your hope is misplaced. And then when you get what you want, you start putting your hope there. Now, the good news is that's all right. Perhaps all of us have done it at some, at some time, but you can correct it. God is a patient God. God is a long-suffering God. I can testify to that. Those sitting next to you can testify to that. Others, you're married and you've been seeing little things that you, you haven't addressed over the years, haven't got better. You don't know what to do about it. Things are getting worse, perhaps. In fact, the D word has come up in your house, and it's not date night. It's divorce. You're feeling helpless and you're both sitting looking at one another wondering how long can we do this without one of us losing it. And I want to help you, but not in the way that you think. I don't have the solution. God does. My job is to encourage you, whether that's counseling or simply putting, uh, you know, pointing you towards the word of God. So if you find yourself there today, And if this describes your life, I want you to say two things to you. First, what I'm going to say second is not for those of you who are abusing one another. If someone is putting their hands on you, if they're hurting you, this is not for you. You may need counseling, professional help, and perhaps legal help to help you ensure your safety. And if you're the abuser, you need to let other people know. By the way, other people in the body know and get the help you need. And that's a good starting place. You know, we walk past one another all the day and praise the Lord, how you doing? Great, great weekend. Oh, did you see that game? Oh, I love it. Was that Bible study? Oh, that was fire. It's good. That's good. That encourages us. But we also have to talk about those things that we're not so happy about. Don't, don't, get, it, don't get it twisted. They're, they're, not everybody, not every marriage is in a place to where you think, oh, that that can possibly be going on. And we have to point it out because God's not, that's not God. That's not God. Now, the second is for everyone else, and it's our second point I want you to to go home with, and that is, is that hope is not hope without expectation. Without expectation. I know you say we're talking about hope, but why are we talking about all these these things? Hey, I just got done spending time with family and eating a bunch of things and all that, and you're talking about these things today. Because this is life. This is what many of you or many of us are going through. Others, you're feeling hopeless because you're not expecting anything to happen. You're so done. You're worn out. 
Your spiritual river's dried up, and the only thing you expect to see more of is what's happening currently in your life. If that's you, be encouraged because God will fulfill that longing for your soul. Proverbs 13, 12, it reads this way. Read it. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. God is longing to fulfill the things in your life that you need him there for. The thing about expectation is that when you're waiting a long time, if you're not careful, you'll begin to not expect God to do anything. Anybody ever been there? Where it's just been so long, it's taken so much time, you're, you're waiting and waiting and waiting. It's like that guy I told you on the, watching the little car trying to come to your house on your app. Think, if you think about the children of Israel, right, what was it, about 400 plus years, 450 so years, they didn't expect that Pharaoh would let them go. You remember the people waiting for Moses? What did they do when they got tired of waiting? Started building that calf. They got tired of waiting. They stopped expecting God to work in the darkness of their lives. I've come to encourage you today, do not stop trusting in God. Continue to put your hope in God. Listen, we're all waiting for something. And it may take a very long time. You're waiting for him to change you, or you're waiting for him to, to help you, or you're waiting for whatever that is, your marriage. Maybe you have these regrets, and every time you walk in, certain things that you see make you regret. Yes, your kids are grown now, but maybe you didn't do the job that you thought you should have done. And so when you see people doing it the, the, the right way, you, you have those regrets come up. Don't let that control your life. We all have them. Trust in God. God has your answer. I believe it. Remember, this year won't be the last one that someone has a loss. This year won't be the last one that someone makes some type of critical mistake in their lives. This year won't be the last that you struggle with relating to people. This won't be the the last time that you struggle with your sobriety. But if you're going to make it, no matter how much stuff comes up in your life, no matter how hard it gets, how deflated you feel, I'm here to tell you that you're going to make it. Not because I'd said so, but because your creator, the God of the universe, said so. In his word, it's everlasting. You just keep being faithful in your situation. If you ever talk or email with Pastor Art Shell, he always reminds us that God is faithful. He says he's faithful consistently. So I want to remind you today, he's faithful. Keep expecting. You just have to do your part. Sometimes we put all this stuff on our shoulders, and God is saying, just do your part. Just do your part. I, I got all the rest of this. You're trying to figure out things and, and calculate, and you're like, man, I, I went to school. I, I should be able to figure this out. No, I don't care where. No, that didn't come out right. <laughs> I, it does not matter where and how much experience you have. And you've done this and you've done that. 
I'm all for that, by the way. I, I love when people have, uh, that we have people who are growing and they're working towards their growth and doing it in various ways. But when it comes down to it, you can only do your part. In our passage, it says that uh, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. I love that. Everlasting Father. You know what he's talking about there? The writer is saying that, listen, there are earthly kings. They come and they go. They reign for four years as president, or they, you know, a couple of years as CEO until they move on to the next thing. There are all these earthly kings, right? Some of us are in um, positions in our, in our jobs where we're uh, what they consider earthly kings. You're a, you're a manager or you're a director or you're a, uh, a VP or a president or, or what have you of a certain organization. But God reigns forever. So that's what he's talking about when he says everlasting father. His reign doesn't end. You can depend on him. His reign never ends. You have promises in this book, so I pray that you would take hold of them. So all my brothers and sisters, no matter how long you have to wait, somebody is anointed in this room today with no assignment. What do you do with that? You keep on expecting God to show up. You keep showing up too. And I guarantee you that he will show you exactly where you should be. In Genesis 11 and 12, uh, Sarah waited for 25 years, right? So she was what, 65? God tells her, you know, this, is, this thing's going to happen. 25 years later at 90. <laughs> and then another, what, nine months? She's 91 at the time, right? You might not be that long for you, but put your hope in God. The final point is hope is not hope without Christ. We started out saying that Advent is looking back and looking forward, right? Looking back at what life uh, was without Christ was like and looking forward to now what's in the future of life with Christ. The two don't compare. Now, it doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it any less painful. It doesn't make the rejection you feel go away or the regret that you have done any easier when you think about it. We all have regrets, and if not now, later. I told you at the beginning that God works in the dark, but it won't be dark for long because God sent his light. I want to tell you, don't let your light go out. Don't allow your light to go out. Worship. Don't allow... God, not be a factor in your time with him and in your life and in those dark places. Remember the light of the nobleman? The one where he said, you're going to bring your light with you? Sometimes in seasons, you're going to have to (laughs) bring your own light, especially when everything around you and everybody around you saying one thing and looking at one thing and you're like do you guys know about this Jesus and they're around you so I want us just all to stand
and I'm going to pray for us. And then we'll continue our worship in music. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you that you have sent your light into this world. And that light is Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can depend on him. We never have to worry about him going anywhere. We never have to worry about the God of our faith, God of our lives, the God who created us and loves us. We never have to worry about that. So God, we put our hope in you. We lay it at your feet, God. And while we're waiting, while we're waiting, we'll carry our own lamps around. Our lamp in one hand, which is the Holy Spirit in us, and the Word of God in the other. God, we love you, we praise you, and we adore you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.